Welcome to Elephants in the Room on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Here are your hosts, Joe and Kendall. That's right, you're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale at Hillsdale College, newly newly famous, you know, actually, after that New Yorker article <laughs> came out. Um, we're big money now. I'm a little disappointed, as you'll, as you'll hear later in the show. Um, they even... The New Yorker even shouted out one of the Hillsdale meme accounts, but unfortunately, Elephants in the Room, or the radio station as a whole, I noticed, did not get did not get any mention. But anyways, anyways, we're back. We're your hosts, Kendall and Joe. This week, we've got we've got a, quite a bit of stuff to cover. Um, we've got some news on a an upcoming oil crisis, which could be um, could be pretty scary. We've got news about arguably the biggest news of the week is the the Trump indictment and arrest. We've got lots of lots to talk about with that. Um, and then we'll, we'll conclude by talking about some of our favorite parts of the New Yorker article. Um, you know, as Hillsdale students, we, I think we've got a pretty good say. So if, if you don't mind, Joe, we'll jump right into it, starting with this oil stuff. Sort of a continuation of maybe some of the things we were talking about uh, toward the end of last week's broadcast. Uh, following uh, many of the concerns uh, of a global decline in the petrodollar around the world, uh, in a surprise move, OPEC has announced a surprise 1.16 million barrels per day oil cut um, to the United States uh, and the rest of the exports of Saudi Arabia. And, you know, this is coming as a big shock as many countries in OPEC are planning a massive decline in their crude oil output. News of this cut in oil production sent uh, oil prices surging on Monday. Uh, This comes before uh, another string of events uh, that we'll get into here. Mexico uh, now announcing plans that it is going to seriously consider joining uh, BRICS, which is the coalition that includes Brazil, Russia, uh, India, China, and South Africa. Uh, Mexican, the Mexican foreign minister, Marcelo uh, Abard, said uh, that Mexico shares the same vision and values for the future uh, as the coalition, uh, namely including Russia and China, uh, and hopes to deepen its cooperation with them in various fields, especially in medicine and trade. How are you going to fix that acronym? How do you turn it from BRICS to like Brimks, how do you how do you fit the Mexico in, or do they just are, are they since they're a late joiner, do they just not get represented? They don't get. In the name? They got like like Brinks Bricks Plus, mm-hmm. and they're, they they got to get saddled with the plus. It's like a rock band named after the, <laughs> the founding members that all then quit, like Guns N' Roses. Half of those guys are not in it anymore. No, no. I mean, Mexico would be an interesting addition to to Bricks. A, a definitely uh, some some weird voice of support maybe for what's going on in in Russia mm-hmm. and Ukraine, but. I don't know. We'll see where that is. Uh, maybe even weirder than uh, Mexico, uh, Japan, uh, thought to be uh, one of our, if not our, greatest ally in the East, uh, has officially broken with the West in buying Russian oil above the price cap of $60 per barrel set by the G7. Um, so Japan also stepped up its purchase of nat- Russian natural gas, uh, which was initially boycotted by the West in response to the ongoing war in Ukraine. The G7 agreed to a price cap on Russian crude oil in an effort to reduce the Federation's national income. However, an article from the Washington Post citing the dollar's decline in the global economy stated, quote, sanctions imposed on Russia for its invasion of Ukraine combined with Washington's increasing confrontational approach to China have created a perfect storm in which both Russia and China are accelerating efforts to diversify away from the dollar. Most trade between them is uh, being settled now. Uh, in the Wan, uh, and they are also, as Putin has noted, uh, making efforts to get other countries to follow suit. 
Um, so in other words, our sanctions against Russia may be hurting us in the global market as we are unable to curb the attraction of cheap, uh, toward cheap oil, cheap energy, uh, still exclusively provided, largely exclusively provided by Russia, effectively allowing them and China to edge the U.S. out of the energy, the global energy market as more and more countries continue to break their economic ties with us for cheap oil and less reliance on the weakening dollar. So obviously some some interesting stuff going on. I, I can't help but think that maybe some more uh, domestic uh, events that I'm sure everybody else is thinking of maybe <laughs> maybe providing a little bit of cover, a little bit of distraction from the fact that like we are losing our economic uh, mm-hmm. superiority on the on the world stage. We're losing our prominence as a as a global power. And you know, un- unfortunately, this more so than anything else we might talk about today. That's going to really affect the consumer. You know, this is going mm-hmm. to uh, affect how much gas is going to be, how much it's going to cost to heat your home. Uh, we know all the stuff that happened in Europe, how hard it was, how difficult it was for people to get by in that winter simply because of this, uh, this boycott spawned out of some moral superiority against Russia. Like, think about how that's going to uh, affect us now, especially now that, like, you know, we, we've drained our, our national uh, strategic oil reserve to keep gas prices as artificially low as they've been mm-hmm. and as soon as those things start to rise you know i think we're a lot of people are going to be in a lot of trouble really soon uh the response from the from from your elitists your democrats uh you know your nancy pelosi's i wouldn't be surprised if you have biden make some sort of similar statement in the near future about like oh you know yeah it sucks that gas is is super expensive but man wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great if only you had an electric vehicle it's mm-hmm. like almost like this is your this is your fault. Uh, yeah. This is this is this is what you get for not helping the environment. And you know, like a Tesla is like what sixty to eighty thousand dollars for one of the cheap ones. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, maybe maybe if I'm going to help out the environment, maybe the environment should be subsidizing me, helping me out a little <laughs> bit, so I can I can afford a Tesla. Yep, but yep. you know, I love how their response is like, oh well, you know, you just need to, you know, it, it's really it's really you know, think about it. If you think about it, it's your fault because you're not helping the earth. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's. I think I think that we're going to be looking at uh, a little bit of a hard time coming up because of all this, and uh, you know I don't I don't know if any anybody's quite prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely not. And also just an extreme lack of coverage on something this big. I mean, this is kind of something that people need to be aware of um, and start preparing. But you're listening to Elephants in the Room on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're your hosts, Kendall and Joe. As we were just talking about, um, nobody's really covering this oil story, and that's because there's been. Um, Shocker, shocker, a Trump indictment. Um, most likely, um, a lot of conservatives are lobbying the fact that this is probably being used as cover for these bigger stories, which could spell very bad news politically for the Biden administration and other Democratic officials. So they better they better arrest Trump. So, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I mean, as, as much as this might be covering some some bigger things that are going on, this is this is pretty big news. I mean, Trump has has officially as of this week, been booked in the by the New York City District Attorney Alvin Bragg, Mr. Boston Bragg, as I'm sure Trump's already <laughs> called him. Yeah, he uh, he made his first court appearance on Tuesday of this week, officially marking the first time in American history that a sitting or former U.S. president has been charged with a felony crime. Bragg is is I guess attempting to nail the former president on what's looking like 34 felony counts of falsification of business records, which, as they stand currently, uh, legally augmented by the DA uh, that we might we might get into a little bit later, but 
uh, as they stand currently, uh, they hold a maximum combined sentence of 136 years if Trump is convicted. And, you know, of course, Trump has since pled not guilty on all of these counts. Um, many on all sides of the Republican ticket have criticized the move, calling it entirely politically motivated. Uh, a historical rival of Trump's and uh, friend of the establishment, Marco Rubio, criticized the indictment, saying, quote, put aside for a moment whether you like Trump or not. Uh, he continued to say, today, American politics crosses a line that it's never going to come back from. Uh, he continued saying, after today, every prosecutor who wants to make a name for themselves has permission to go after anyone they want in the opposite party. Uh, speaking from the point of view of those hypothetical prosecutors, he said, you can, you should be able to uh, manipulate the law however you want to charge someone, um, end quote. Rubio, of course, commenting on the zombie nature of this uh, seemingly closed case and uh, with a historical and, and legal precedent that charges of this nature only carry a misdemeanor offense at most, uh, as we covered in last week's show. Uh, so we have more news about that. Supporters uh, outside the courthouse, uh, supporters gathered outside the courthouse where Trump was being booked and charged on Tuesday uh, to protest what many are calling political theater, which, it, it you know, it's seeming more and more like this. Mm -hmm. Um, arguably the most vocal uh, critic of what's going on with Trump has been uh, his fellow rival, uh, Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. You know, I won't I, I will say I've, I've voiced in the past that I am uh, I'm not Ramaswamy's biggest fan. I'm not a I'm not a Vivek vigilante or a, <laughs> or a Ramaswamy warrior. Uh, but, you know, he's definitely been on point on a lot of the stuff, even going as far as to call out. DeSantis, Ron DeSanctimonious, Meatball Ron, as some call him, for his silence on the matter, perhaps contributing uh, a contributing factor to his sustained loss and support mm -hmm. among Republican voters. Um, and then I guess this all culminated, culminated on Tuesday when he himself went after Bragg uh, in a statement that we he made on Twitter, which we have part of part of for you. The first is the obvious observation now we can make that Alvin Bragg is effectively prosecuting a federal violation in the guise of state law. Though he's bringing the crime of falsifying business records under New York law, he couldn't bring that pursuant to the statute of limitations, and he couldn't bring it as a felony if he didn't tie it to a federal campaign finance violation that's at the heart of what he's alleging. That's a perversion of what the state justice system and state courts are supposed to do. State courts and state prosecutors are not supposed to opine on federal laws. We have a federal prosecutorial system designed to do that. Man, doesn't he just sound so smart when saying that? <laughs> he sounds such an intelligent, nice young man. Like, I, 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 get, I understand why, why he has such like a, a quasi- elite group of following because like mm -hmm. man i i would want to vote for that i would yeah. want to say i voted for vivek just because i think it makes me sound smarter so uh, not only is this case closed but before the hearing even began uh sort of to put uh insult to injury uh trump was awarded <laughs> uh close to one hundred twenty-two thousand dollars in attorney fees by stormy daniels legal team after she lost her initial defamation defamation case against the former president back in 2018 so just like you know, more evidence to suggest that all these charges are a big nothing burger is that like Trump was legally acquitted of of wrongdoing mm -hmm. back in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no. And uh, finally, you know, of course, uh, the cream, the cream of the crop, the, the icing on the cake. We have Mr. Trump himself uh, making a statement back at Mar-a-Lago after after being put on trial. He said, brag, OK, brag is the real criminal. Believe me. <laughs> believe me when I say it. 
So, you know, allegedly the DA, uh, I, I guess he, he said that allegedly the DA uh, illegally leaked these charges, allowing the media to know beforehand of Trump's 34 uh, felony charges. But uh, that's okay, as long as it wasn't any footage from January 6th that was yep. completely legally released. <laughs> if they did that, oh, Bragg would be out of here. Yeah. So we have, we have some audio of uh, Trump's statement. The criminal is the district attorney because he illegally leaked massive amounts of grand jury information for which he should be prosecuted or at a minimum he should resign. And Alvin Bragg's wife confirmed a report that claimed her husband has Trump nailed on felonies. <laughs> she has since locked down her Twitter account. So, yeah, I mean, Trump and his legal team have echoed many of the same sentiments as uh, critics of the indictment. You know, the same old no legal grounds. This is political theater, etc. cetera. Uh, Trump has even gone further than a lot of the critics uh, on his side uh, by calling this straight up election interference. Um, Bragg has expressed interest just yesterday uh, of possibly postponing the trial until <laughs> next year uh, during the primary season. Um this also this is also a hypothetical delivery of campaign promises, uh, as Bragg himself campaigned on the platform of doing just this, indicting Trump, getting him out mm -hmm. of the race. Mm -hmm. So you know, obviously, this is a political motive here. I can't help but think, like you know, after all this, like man, what 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 a ticket Trump and Vivek would make. Like you have <laughs> Trump saying stuff like, "Okay, believe me when I say this." Cute sold me. Cute sold my beloved patriots the stand back and stand by against the deep state or whatever he says. And then Vivek's like, well, you know what? I think my 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 Mr. President said uh, meant to say was that. And then blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, man, that what what yeah. an epic tag team that would be. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. I was getting a little scared when when Trump brought up Bragg's wife. I had no idea it was going <laughs> to come next. But all things considered, it was pretty tame. Um, and also, you look, we played that clip from Vivek, um, a pretty good defense of Trump, who's going to be his former opponent. And arguably, as we talked about Marco Rubio, obviously Trump's future opponents don't like him. But I would argue that his past opponents probably like him least because Trump can be kind of mean. And a lot of them hold grudges, pretty severe grudges, Rubio being one of them. And he's still able to come out and make a statement. Meanwhile, you have DeSantis, who, no, he's definitely not running for president, cannot say anything. <laughs> well, look, uh, I'm not going to get involved in um, uh, trials and and theater and whatnot, and that's that's the best he could do. While you've got people who literally are running for president, being able to very cleanly defense uh, defend it, um, and I I think it's costing him now. Um, DeSantis is, as you said, taking taking some hits. Although if if Meatball wants to come on our show and defend himself, I'd more than happy. I would take him. <laughs> <laughs> I will take back everything I said if he comes on the show. I will. I can I offer my vote if he comes on the show. Is that allowed? I will be a DeSantis <laughs> disciple if he comes on this show. You've been listening to Elephants in the Room on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're your hosts, Kendall and Joe, who unfortunately were not quoted in this new New Yorker article about Hillsdale College. You know why that was. It's because if they gave us any sort of publicity, all of the people who, for whatever reason, are reliant on the New Yorker, you know, mm -hmm. they must be, have dreadful lives if they're reliant on the New Yorker <laughs> for their news, would immediately jump on the opportunity of like, hey, I can go listen to the funny, inspirational Elephants in the Room by Joe and Kendall. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. I'm going to cancel my subscription to the New Yorker right now. <laughs> Frankly, I think this, they were they were assessing a threat and they made an executive decision to uh, omit uh, any <laughs> any of our cultural significance, mm -hmm. of which we have a, a grand amount, according to myself. 
mm-hmm. uh, from from their article about Hillsdale. Yep, yep. But anyways, that article was called The Christian Liberal Arts School at the Heart of the Culture Wars by Emma Green. Um, this, I believe she was on campus last semester gathering, um, doing research, sending in on some classes, um, preparing for this article, and it just came out on Monday. Um, the Probably the funniest part of the entire article is the the like the the picture they've got at the top, and it's a drawing of Ronald Reagan and Maggie Thatcher wearing a bunch of Hillsdale merch. Ronald Reagan's waving around a Hillsdale flag, and I think it, they posted it on Instagram. I think it's supposed to be like scary, like people yeah. are supposed to see it and like, what these politicians would have supported this college. And then to Hillsdale people, it's like, okay, that's that's pretty. I, funny. Yeah, I was gonna say like I, I I'd be hard pressed if you and I'm gonna I'm gonna whisper this so, <laughs> but but I I'd be hard pressed to find any uh, any any large amount of Hillsdale people who, like, vehemently support any of those two people. That's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> we have a statue of both of them, but I don't think anybody's <laughs> that fond of either of them. Uh, but anyways, I we've pulled some quotes from the article just to discuss a little bit. As Hillsdale students, I think we've got some authority on it. She kind of bounced all over in the article, talked about a, a lot of different things. One of the topics that she talked about a little bit was about race. At one point in the article, she said, every professor I met was a white man except Khalil Habib, um, which... Like, there are a lot of white professors, but we're also in rural Michigan and, you know, middle of nowhere. There's not that many um, people of color that just, you know, live in, live in Hillsdale, for one. Um, but also, there are lots of female faculty members. If she, if she never talked to a single woman, I think that's on her. Oh, I didn't even see the part. Yeah, yeah. Like she specified <laughs> white man. Yep. Okay. Like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. she, she, okay. I, I got to say, like, okay, I can get the, the race thing the race angle but like you had to have been very selective (laughs) if every single professor you met as is said in this exact quote verbatim was a white man like Mm -hmm. there i I know plenty of female professors they're all they're all pretty smart why not talk to them yep yep arn actually had a pretty good quote about race i thought uh, in the article she was asking (laughs) uh she was asking him about um why when she walks around she only sees she only sees white kids, which is also not true. But um, anyways, he said when he was talking about a program they did, um, I think about a decade ago, that sought to bring kids from inner cities, specific, inner cities specifically Detroit, um, into the college, and Wyatt failed and um, did not continue. Dr. Arn said they weren't ready to come here. They hadn't done any preparation. Th- this part's not directly quoted, but they thought it was a, a fancy place. Um, but he makes a point that you can't just – bring anybody um, into, uh, you know, I would say a fairly academic institution like this and expect them to just, just, you know, change their views. There's a reason that education is so important. You don't go into, um, you don't just wake up one day and be like, you know what, those Republicans are right and fall fall right into it or the other way around. Um, it takes a lot more than that, which is why a lot of the article was actually about the K-12 initiatives um, that Hillsdale's been doing um, to kind of like like a Hillsdale College light in the um, elementary schools and whatnot to get to get more people um, prepared. The author also quoted one black transfer student that said she is glad Hillsdale isn't hyperfixated on race like her previous school. She said that there were students that would always be worried about what they were going to say and had to make sure that they were being um, that they were listening to her and her black experience. Um, and she said that it's kind of relieving being in Hillsdale um, where people aren't that fixated on it. Um, that was kind of how a lot of the article was throwing, trying to lob criticisms that um, maybe, maybe to a very left wing reader, which I'm sure a lot of them are, the New um, maybe be. land and freak yeah. out. But if you're a conservative re- reading this, it's like, oh, okay, 
Um, speaking of the, some of those left-wing readers, I actually pulled some quotes from the Instagram comments that, where they posted this. One, one uh, commenter said, so reverting education of the Jim Crow era, depressing reactionary cultural regression. Another one said, I love, they, I love, I love when people say reactionary because <laughs> they have absolutely no idea yep. what that means. Mm-hmm. Another one said they want to go backwards, plain and simple. Oh, or here's a good one. I'd like to see statistics on how graduates do in college entrance exams and coursework overall. The average high school GPA for people who before they come into Hillsdale is 3.9. Average ACT is 32. We have a 97% placement rate into grad programs or jobs. Not the best criticism they could lob. Oh, uh, this is probably my favorite. Nothing new. Hitler did this in Nazi Germany. There are loads of books and periodicals that documented any library. Just kidding. These cycles also banned books. History does indeed repeat itself. Zealots abound in religion and politics. I, if they sat in on one class, all we do is read at this school. I mean... I if if there I were a party, I wish we banned books. Uh, yeah, I'll go me as far too. as to say that I wish we banned books. Oh yeah, but but all in all, you can you again you can check out that article if you're interested um, by the New Yorker. It's called the Christian Liberal Arts School at the Heart of the Culture Wars. Um, again, I think a lot of people were pretty worried about it when they they heard about it. It was like, oh, is there going to be a big like Hillsdale hit piece come out? And it's it's pretty tame. They they couldn't find too much to lob against us. But you've been listening to Elephants in the Room on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're your hosts, Kendall and Joe, joined by no nobody one. this week. We ran no through all of our friends after we... Oh, yeah. We got to find new friends. Yep, yep. We got we to gotta get out there. Or, you know what? If Ron DeSantis wants to come on, we don't even need to be friends. We'll take him <laughs> begrudgingly, but we will. We definitely will. But we'll continue reporting on these stories. You can always find past episodes of the show at elephantsintheroom.transistor.fm. We hope that you tune back in next week. This has been Elephants in the Room. Elephants in the Room.